Time to barrel down as we uncork the Indiana beverage industry one bottle at a time. Full of history, great wine, and a really great atmosphere. French Lick. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, well, just getting through Christmas, and I'm excited to look forward to the new year um, and all things that French Lick Winery is doing. I'm so excited to talk to you because you guys have always been super innovative. You've constantly come out with um, new wines, fun labels. So let's dive in. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so can you give us an overview of maybe the history of French Lick uh, Winery first? Sure. So um, the winery was started back in 1995 by the Um, It was John, Kim, and their two sons, Nick and Aaron. Um, Nick's the younger son, and he's actually my husband. Um, he And he started out making the wine with, with John and Kim from a very early age. I think he was 12 or 13 when they first started. So he's grown up in the business and been making wine with them the whole time. Um, Aaron is um, is kind of our fruit processor. He's also a winemaker, but he focuses more on processing the grapes and the cranberries and blackberries and rhubarb. That's all done in a separate building. Um, and so he processes the fruit and brings it over here where it's um, turned into wine. But um, yeah, so we've got a small vineyard on eight acres um, out in out in the middle of Lagodi, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, and that that was sort of the beginning, I guess, of, of them getting interested in winemaking was that they had this farmland that Kim had inherited and then passed down through several generations. And um, they had tried a few projects. John was kind of always had sort of an entrepreneurial spirit. He'd done some beekeeping and um, raised sheep and just a bunch of different things. And then um, I'm not sure exactly what it was that got him initially interested in winemaking. I know he'd done some kind of making wine from his basement, that sort of, you know, hobby type thing. But um, he, uh, they both had full-time jobs, obviously, at the time he was a banker and uh, Kim was um, working as a postmaster full-time. So, um, they started out in the in the basement of the Beechwood Mansion in French Lick, um, just making very small batches of wine that came out of the vineyard, and that just kind of grew over the last 25 years. It's gone from 500 gallons a year to um, last year was almost 64,000 gallons of wine. 64,000 so, gallons of wine. Yes, yes. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's been quite a journey, definitely. And I think so for. I'll say the Indiana wine consumer, um, you know, we go to wineries and it's fun. We get that experience. Um, we get to meet tasting room managers. We get to interact with other consumers, but what I find sometimes more fun than that experience or as a, a relation to that experience is being able to go to target or Walmart or Kroger and seeing the wine that we've already sampled in the tasting room now at a local supermarket. And you guys have really, um, I'll say exploded for lack of better words, your, oh. your supermarket leg. Um, yes. 
And, and that's one been one of the most exciting things for me is to uh, travel around Indiana and and see, you know, our cocoa, kind of our signature cocoa labels on the shelves in Walmart and CVS and um, Sam's Club all over the place. It's it's been a lot of fun. And one of the one of the things that has really driven, especially in the last, I would say, two years, um, the the expansion into into chain stores is our partnership with Johnson Brothers of Indiana. Um, they have just been one of the most fantastic distributors that we've worked with. With their um, sales team has just kind of taken off with both the wine and the spirits products. Um, but the wine, they've just gotten into a bunch of new stores and they're, they're constantly emailing me about, um, you know, needing information on sets to get into Kroger or, you know, these other places that they're working on. And uh, they've, yeah, they've been fantastic that way. Because distribution is no small undertaking for any, I'll say, person or winery. So right. the winery sells wine to the distributor who then puts wine into supermarkets. So there's, I'll say three people, three different levels of this um, cobweb to get wines in. There's a lot of relationship building, um, a lot of trust, right? You have to trust your distributor. They have to trust you with a quality product. And sometimes this can take years to be able to build that. Right. Well, and distributors, um, you know, have a lot of other brands that they're working with typically, um, especially, you know, if you're with a large, a large distributor like RNDC or Southern Glacier, um, you know, you, us as a smaller winery, or I, I don't know if we would be considered mid-sized yet or not, but um, you know, it's easy to get lost in, in, a, in a large distributor. So it is very much about relationships and, um, you know, kind of keeping yourself in the forefront of their minds, um, but also you developing a relationship that's more of a partnership. So they're, they don't work for you, like they're not your employees, they're your partners, and you don't get into the market without your distributor and without a distributor that um, sees you as bringing something valuable you know, to the table, a quality product, a, a good working relationship. So they're, they're, all of those components have to work together. Well, and I, I think talking about relationships, you guys um, are a part of the Indiana Uplands. So the Uplands AVA, which is an American viticulture area, um, is located in Southern Indiana. Um, French Lake is on or is in the AVA and you're on the Uplands Wine Trail and I don't think I've taught, or I don't think I do talk enough about the Uplands because you guys as a wine trail are so cohesive. There's 11 wineries on the uh, nine. Wine trail. Nine. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so together, I mean, that is, you guys work together. You're a big yeah. unit. Um, one thing that I love when I come to Uncork in August is that I feel like the Uplands is a family. Like you're going to a big old family party and you support each other. Yeah. I, I think that really shows in the tasting rooms because you say, you know, where are you going next? Or where have you been? Um, right. And you really encourage those relationships to form mm -hmm. uh, not only through the tasting room, but for consumers to try something new as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and it helps too that we see each other throughout the year. We, we attend a lot of the same festivals together. So we're not just coming together once or twice a year for wine trail events. Um, we, we interact with each other all year long and we, we meet with um, several times throughout the year to plan 
um, events at individual wineries that we will then market together. And, um, you know, so it, it's, it, it's all very much supporting each other. And, and like you said, we, we encourage our, our people in our tasting rooms to ask where customers are going next or to, you know, to encourage them, hey, this other winery that we're on the wine trail with is right down the road. You know, um, we talk about our favorite wines from each of the different wineries, you know. So yeah, it's, it's a big fun group. We, I think we interact really well together and, um, and try to support each other. Absolutely. So the Indiana Uplands Wine Trail, that includes Best Vineyards, Brown County Winery, Butler Winery, French Lake, Huber Winery, Oliver Winery, Owen Valley, Turtle Run, and Windsorwald. So you guys are all, I mean, you are, you're just kind of right there, sort of together within, what, an hour? A little yeah. an hour drive? I think so. Yeah, Pro- probably end to end, hour and a half, maybe. I don't know. I haven't actually driven the trail end to end, but um, we are, yeah, we are pretty close. I mean, everybody's below Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, so. So after Christmas, I mean, everybody's looking forward to New Year's, right? Like that's, that's the next big holiday, but you guys are busy planning your chocolate lovers weekend. Yes. Um, for thank- or Thanksgiving. How about <laughs> Valentine's Day? Right. Trying to go back in time. And that's a trail event that is so popular. Can, do you mind touching a little bit upon that? Yeah, absolutely. So we all, um, this has just been a really fun event all of the years that I've done it. I, I'm not sure exactly how many years the Wine Trail has done this event, but um, we we typically will get together and and decide um, where we're getting where we're getting our chocolates from and. Um, everybody on the trail will get, you know, a, a certain number of those, chocolate, you know, whatever we think we'll, we'll end up giving away. And sometimes we'll uh, additionally partner with local chocolatiers to add something extra at our individual tasting rooms. Um, we like to get stuff from Chocolate Bliss that we'll put in little baggies and, and we'll give to people who come in to do tastings um, that are, you know, passport holders or, um, or whatever. And uh, it, yeah, it's just, it's a really fun event pairing chocolate with wine and um, try to get some engagement uh, with, you know, our customers on the wine trail and social media and, and um, getting them to talk about, you know, their experiences at each of the, the wineries on the trail. And then with the passport program, it encourages people to go in and visit the rest of those wineries to, you know, to try to get each of those experiences so that they can add them to their passport and, get in for the raffle prize, you know, whatever's going on, um, with the passport that, you know, that quarter or that month or whatever. And it's normally pretty chilly because this happens in February. So inside, so it's warm, lots of great conversation, local wine, local chocolate. I mean, it's usually two weekends too. Okay. Um, Yeah. It's usually two weekends in February. Um, like either the first two or, um, or the middle two weekends. Uh, I'm not sure it's, exactly yet when it's going to be, uh, what the dates are, but, um, but yeah, so it gives people hopefully plenty of time to hit everybody up. Yeah, absolutely. So I will put a link, um, on our Facebook page to, uh, the Indiana Uplands, and then, um, our listeners can take a look and keep an eye out for details on the chocolate weekend. Um, and maybe they can even make a weekend out of French Lake because French Lake is gorgeous, really any time of the year that you go. 
Yeah. I think it's, I don't think it's a best kept secret of Indiana, but no matter when you go, there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you guys, the winery being there just adds another tourism destination. Thank you. Yeah. We're definitely trying to make it more of a destination and, um, and sort of, you know, capitalize on the, the tourism aspect of French Lake and the history that's here. We're, we're very focused on, um, embracing the history of the area and sharing that, you know, with our, um, with our patrons and, um, um, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll see that in some of our labeling and, and some of the marketing that we do just kind of sharing out the history of the area, but, um, it, having the, having the dome and the resort, um, so close is awesome because, you know, we can encourage people to go over there. A lot of times people are coming from the resort as well, but, um, it's been, it's been really kind of sad that, they haven't been, you know, open to the, like, for public lately, because it's, those are just such beautiful buildings to go around and tour, and the grounds are so gorgeous and stuff, but hopefully things will start opening back up more for them, and they can handle, you know, public as well as overnight guests. Um, I think celebrating small milestones, you know, people for a birthday party, or, you know, bridal shower or something, you know, they, you kind of look to French Lake because you can make it a weekend and and have those celebration causes. Right. Well, and, you know, with Potoka Lake being so close, um, that's always a fun thing for people to come down and do and, you know, go out there as part of their weekend. Um, We get a lot of people that come down with um, motorhomes and stuff like that. We'll be camping out there and, you know, come in. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's a fun little area for sure. And talking about celebration, you guys just celebrated a great milestone at the winery. Um, yes. Yeah, 25 years. Um, it's, well, <laughs> it's actually technically our 26th year, but last year being what it was, you know, shutdowns and all that good stuff, we had to postpone the celebration. Um, so we're just, we're just pretending 2020 didn't happen. <laughs> this year was our, was our 25th anniversary. So we um, we did something a little different and got our vendors involved. So we uh, we like to feature local artisans at the gift shop. Um, we've got some local jewelry makers and some local um, like chocolatiers, and we get cookies from the sisters. Um, and uh, let's see, we've got a local cheese supplier and a pretzel supplier. So anyway we got some of those vendors together to come in and set up booths and do tastings for people um, that were coming in as part of the 25th celebration and we had live music um, and we also had a commemorative 25th anniversary wine glass um, that was huge i'm pretty sure it fit two glasses of wine in it hey <laughs> right um and um, so we, you know, had that as part of a swag bag, but we also had two new um, wine releases, um, which was super fun. We had just a delicious red blend um, available that had our signature 25th anniversary label on it. And then um, a personal favorite was the release of our first winemaker's cut wine. And this year it was the Blackberry. Um, and that was a really fun project because it's, it's something that Nick has wanted to do for a while. He, we're kind of, we're obviously pretty well known for the sweet wine. That's what we distribute. And that's what is just really popular in this area. Um, people, 
love their sweet wine. And our blackberry is, I think, either the number three or the number four bestseller for French Lick. So we already have a big blackberry consumer base. Um, Nick has been wanting to do something, though, that uh, is a little less a little less sweet and and sort of focuses more on the the natural blackberry flavor and aroma um, and kind of um, highlights the natural sugars of the blackberry just you know something straight off the vine taste wise as opposed to I think our blackberry would be considered more like blackberry cobbler um, you know the, the regular sweet blackberry anyway so that's what he did it was a really small batch and um, I think it went over really well it, it, it sold really well people were just really excited about it and I was really surprised that so many of our sweet wine drinkers loved it um, it wasn't it wasn't too dry and it wasn't too bitter it wasn't you know um, really sour like what you you might think of eating a blackberry but yeah so that was that was fun you're missing the the best part of this bottle though I mean there's there's this oh yeah like, sticker on there like what what is that who is that random man oh yeah so that was that was a lot of fun on the winemakers cut um we had this um sticker of Nick who is obviously the head winemaker and um it was just um it, it was taken from a full-length picture of him when he was trying on a suit for a friend's wedding and so he's he's in this suit and looks really sharp but then he's got a full red beard and one of those um i don't even know what you call them like a not a sock hat but those like um kind of head head sock things that people were using as masks last year too yeah um anyway yeah so you know he looked really sharp but then had this sock hat thing on his head and uh, we put those on the back of every bottle and it was just uh, it was I thought it was hilarious it was a, a personal favorite like part of that whole experience yeah I think it adds personability to it I mean it, yeah definitely and it's a fun conversation it's kind of a fun story right like, who, who who is this man <laughs> why is he on here <laughs> yeah, you have this really nice, you know, wine label. And then on the back of the bottle, there's a picture of just a, a dude back there. <laughs> <laughs> He's not just any random dude, though. He has a story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I think you're right. It shows personality and character. And we have fun with what we do. You know, it's, it's we don't take ourselves too seriously, basically. Well, and you guys have um, a couple different portfolios of wine. And so a couple different labels. You had a new label for um, your anniversary. You also had some holiday labels. Um, I'll throw the cheers label in there. One of your sparkling wines, because I think that goes together as a holiday set, but your, um, your estate grown wines are all the same label as well. And you just, those are somewhat new, right? The last couple of years you've refreshed them. Yes, we we're actually in the process of transitioning to a new look with the estate wines. And that's, um, that's what was featured on the red blend, the La Donna Rosa and the winemakers cut blackberry was that new design. It's, um, it's a brighter, like bright white, um, background with a really pretty foil and we're doing different foil colors, um, to kind of highlight the different, you know, to go with the different grapes that are represented in the bottle. So they haven't all moved to that new label yet, but slowly we're going to, we're starting to move that direction. Well, I really like how you guys differentiate that because I think there's something definitely to be said for a state grown Indiana 
grapes yeah. that are made into Indiana wine. I mean, you can maybe not at French Lake, but some other wineries, you can literally look out the window. Um, right. Like Windsorwald, if you're tasting at the bar, you can look out the window and right there's one of the vineyards. So yeah. you know that that grape came from right there was crushed and fermented, you know, in the other room. And now you're drinking it in this room. And I think yeah. as a consumer, that's really cool. It is, it is. And, it, and it's one of the things that people like to discuss at the tasting bar a lot, or when we're out at festivals, you know, they always want to know um, which ones came out of the vineyard and, you know, which ones are, are kind of a true farm to bottle wine. It's yeah. And I think you guys continuously stay innovative in that. I mean, I know you, Laurel, and you're so involved in the tasting room, but you know, right before this, we were talking, you were back in the bottling room too. I mean, you're, you're kind of here, there and everywhere you're at festivals, you go to meetings. Um, I would say you used to do a fair amount of travel. I know COVID has kind of messed that up just a little bit, but oh, for sure, to be a visual learner and to continue to push the envelope, you have to get out. You yeah. have to continue investing in reading, investing in yourself as a professional in reading what, you know, other wineries outside and inside of Indiana are doing. Yeah. And I, I ask this a lot because I think it's so interesting. You know, you guys come out with new wines and, and you do new fun things in the tasting room, but how, how do you stay, um, how do you stay unique? How do you stay fresh? Because there, there is a certain time when it's exhausting. I mean, it, there's a lot of data and there's a lot of numbers and, you know, I look at a lot of things and, you know, I look at all of Indiana and all of Ohio. And sometimes I just have to shut my laptop because my brain is just like, no, thank you. Right. There's, yeah, there's so much out there and, and there's always, there's always somebody else or a lot of somebody else is out there doing new and exciting things that are getting a lot of attention. And it can be a little overwhelming to try to think, well, you know, I, I got to try to do all this stuff to keep up or to, to stay, you know, fresh and innovative. Um, but that can be, that can be really dangerous because you end up, uh, it, it's really easy, I think, to overextend yourself and to try to be doing too many projects at one time. Um, and this is where having a good relationship with your distributor, I think, really helps because, we, we look to our brand manager at Johnson Brothers, um, Eric McLean, to, to give us a lot of insight into what the market is doing currently and what they see as, um, you know, upcoming trends or, or where, they, where they are seeing the most movement and the most excitement and the most interest. So that definitely helps a lot. That takes a lot of pressure off of us to try to constantly be you know, thinking about those things ourselves, but, but then also, um, it's about what can you manage, you know, I mean, Nick's making with, with the estate wines and the distributed sweet wines, we're probably making somewhere around 30 wines, give or take. Um, and that, that can easily be very overwhelming for our production staff, which is very small. So when we try something new, it's typically, one or two new things that year, small batches, you know, see how it does, um, and then kind of go from there. And that also, that also keeps you from investing too much into one, you know, big project that may or may not, um, that may or may not go anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, and I, I want to pivot too, because 
spirits of French Lick are so prevalent. Um, I mean, not only at the winery, but also throughout French Lick. Um, I was just down there, I guess, earlier in the year to vacation. And earlier in November, um, I talked to Clay and Dave from Sun King, and they have spirits as well. But they also alluded to, you know, how spirits kind of really got started in Indiana and who that was a partnership with. And I know you guys are good friends of the Hubers as well. And, you know, Ted Huber was so instrumental in the spirit side, but what made you guys decide that you wanted to have spirits? Cause I know your story is unique and, and there's something to be said for it. Sure. Well, uh, that was that was really kind of John's baby. Um, he had always been interested in distilling and and spirits. It it just wasn't um, it wasn't feasible, um, you know, early on. And actually, I think in 2013 was when the law in Indiana changed to allow um, winery permit holders to hold a farm distilling um, permit as well. And so that was really when you know, it became an, oh, this is something that we could actually do. And so we opened up the distillery in 2016. But you're right, Ted Huber was hugely instrumental in influencing that whole process in Indiana. And I, I think he had been, um, I think he had been working with, I don't know, distilling for, you know, for a while before that. So um, those are, those are the kinds of people. And Oliver has also been really instrumental in the on the wine side of things and, and helping push, you know, legislation and stuff in Indiana that's helpful to everybody else. Um, so it's really, it's really nice to have those kinds of partners in the business. But, um, but yeah, we, we started Spirits of French Lip in 2016 and our, our motto there is respect the grain. So we're very focused on, on highlighting the unique aspects of the grains that we use. Uh, we really believe that grain has terroir just like grapes do. And we want, we want you to experience um, the spirits that, that we produce, the, the grain aspects as much as the barrel aspects. So, you know, um, Alan, Alan wants it to be 50% um, distillation and 50% maturation. Um, we don't wanna rely, you know, entirely on the flavors that you're getting out of the barrel. Um, so we, we source a lot of our grains locally. We do have a small farm that um, I think it's about 14 acres and we alternate corn and wheat on that farm. Um, and obviously what we're getting from there are not huge quantities of grains. So we rely on, uh, we source our corn from Indiana and the wheat that we don't grow ourselves also comes from Indiana as well as the rye. I believe actually the only grain we're not getting from Indiana is oats and that comes from Kentucky. So still, you know, as local as possible. Yeah. But yeah. And then with, um, because there are so many people that are really good at distilling and are putting out really good juice, um, you've got to, you've got to try to, you know, come up with something that differentiates you from everyone else. Right. Um, and I think for us, it's, um, it's the history where, we're very much into um, the history of Indiana distilling and highlighting influential people, both in the industry um, and as well as people local to us who, who were influential in making French Lick what it is. So Spirits of French Lick is kind of a, um, is kind of a, has a double meaning. It's, it's both spirits produced in French Lick as well as um, 
you know, um, what's what I'm looking for, preserving and telling the story of the quote unquote spirits who preceded us, the, you know, the ancestors as it were. Um, and so we've got like our, our signature four grain, um, Lee W. Sinclair was, um, was the man who built the, the, the West Baden Dome. And uh, we, as the, the building that we're on is on Sinclair Street. So, you know, just a huge figure locally. And it's like a puzzle piece. I feel like once you get to French, like you, you read the labels, right. That you're talking about and then things just kind of make sense. And you, you start to understand and kind of reveal the history of French, like and French, like is full of that history. Oh yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, um, you know, prohibition, uh, did a lot of things. And one of the things that it did was kind of erase some of that history. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people don't realize that distilling was, um, was as prevalent in Southern Indiana as it's ever been in Kentucky. And uh, in fact, the region that we're in was called the Black Forest of Southern Indiana because a lot of the, a lot of the settlers that were here had moved here from the Black Forest region of, of Germany. And, um, and they brought that, that distilling knowledge and, and tradition with them. Um, this was a huge apple brandy region. Uh, I think at one point, Indiana produced more apple brandy than, um, than Europe did, um, than France did. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that we're trying to sort of um, reintroduce or, or remind, you know, remind people of. Yeah. And before I let you go, we have to talk about the holidays. So Christmas is behind us. Thanksgiving seems like it was just yesterday, but it was like four weeks ago. And um, we are looking forward to New Year's, New Year's Eve. I mean, that's in four days. So if people are like me, sometimes they're a procrastinator. And um, you guys have some tremendous sparkling wines. I've always been a fan that fit in because sparkling wine is hot right now or bubbly wine. Yeah. Uh, Especially... Right now, I mean, New Year's pop, you know, bottle of wine at midnight. So, um, what do you still have available? What is last minute that our listeners can maybe get their hands on? And then, what is your top New Year's Eve wine pick? Oh well, um, good question. (laughs) I uh, we so sparkling wine is kind of is a little bit problematic for us right now because we have been having the most difficult time getting sparkling bottles all year. We do still have French Tickle and Eleganza available. Um, and French Tickle, I think, is just a really great go-to, uh, especially if you're on the sweeter side. Um, French Tickle is made from the Catawba grape, and it's actually really just a sparkling version of our Pretty in Pink, um, which is our sweet Catawba wine. And then Eleganza would be um, a little bit you know, a little bit less sweet, a little bit on the, on the drier side. Um, so whatever your preference is there, we unfortunately don't have our Moscato because of bottle situations and cheers. We, we had a very limited supply this year. It sold out right away. I think we only had 30 cases, but we're hoping to do a Christmas in July where we re-release cheers in July for all of the people that missed it. Um, Cause that, that's one that's really popular around Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, for us, but yeah. I mean, I love sparkling wine in the summer too, because maybe I'm a very 
weird about this, but I also think it's fun to put some fruit in your sparkling wine. I mean, pop a strawberry in there, pop some raspberries in there. And now you have like this sparkling fruit concoction and it's fun and it's chilled. So if it's 80 degrees outside, your wine is still cold. Well, and the cheers is our, is a sparkling version of our cranberry wine, which is just delicious and, um, and very popular, but also I think that, so I get complaints sometimes from people who think that the cranberry wine is just a little bit too tart for them. The cheers though, there's really none of that tartness there. So it's just bubbly, sweet cranberry wine. And I love it. Well, in July, people are hosting and they're entertaining. So that, I mean, you could use cheers in an afternoon spritzer, add some Sprite in it, and there's a ready to drink cocktail. Absolutely. So I love that versatility of it. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So Christmas in July, sparkling wine sale. Um, yeah. Still have two sparkling wines available in the tasting room that people can get their hands on for New Year's Eve. Laura Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so much fun. I just love learning and rehearing every time I see you, the history of French Lick, your winery, all the cool things you're doing on the spirit side. Um, any parting words, anything that we didn't talk about that you think that I should have read about before? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I don't, I think we, I mean, we really kind of covered the gambit. I feel like, um, I, you know, I, um, I, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun and I always, I always appreciate seeing you in the tasting room. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I, I think we really covered all of it. Okay. Um, and we'll see you in February for Chocolate Lovers Weekend. Yes, absolutely. All right. Lynn from my team to yours. Happy New Year. Happy and New Year. Cheers to 2022.